While going through life, sometimes we get in ruts. Most often, we live our lives how society and culture expect us to, towing the line. But it feels empty, we feel unfulfilled, and we know deep down there's much more to life. This is Unplugged Freedom. This is Unplugged Freedom. Life is not just a one-size-fits-all. We're here to offer you a new perspective on how you can create true freedom for yourself. No limits. No limits. No restrictions. No restrictions. You have passions and interests, skills and talents. It's time to dig, find them, and use them. Let's do this. He's here to help you get more out of life. Unplugged Freedom with Nathan Isaac. Yo, what is happening, guys? Nathan back once again with another episode of the Unplugged Freedom podcast. And in today's episode, we are going to be doing something that I have always wanted to do. And that is reading one of my favorite books, which is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And what I always wanted to do is to read this book and then as I'm reading it, kind of talk about the things and the the different lessons within this book because I, I love this book. I've read it so many times. I have the audio book. So maybe, you know, this kind of sparks your interest to get the audio book. And I got to say the audio book, the guy who does it, he does a really good job. <laughs> He'll do a way better job than I do. But uh, I just want to kind of read the book because I really enjoy it. And then at the same time, I want to talk more about it. And so uh, this is what I've always wanted to do for a very long time. So I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that you will stick around for the reading of the rest of the book over the, uh, over the time that it takes. I don't know. You know, uh, it's it's not a very long book, but I'm sure we could get quite a few episodes on the Unplugged Freedom podcast uh, from reading of this book, because I believe the audiobook is about four or five hours long. So if I'm talking about different lessons within it, you know, you can easily see that we could probably get quite a bit of uh, learning from within it. And, you know, maybe you might get something that I don't. Maybe I read past something that I didn't quite get. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, you didn't talk about this, you know, and I might not have seen that. And I've read this book so many times and there, there there's a part in the book later on and I'll talk about that later when uh, I, I never really enjoyed that part of the book. But it wasn't until afterwards that I actually could understand it. And only when I really started to understand it is when I really started to enjoy that part of the book because it was like so deep and very, very interesting. The very first time I actually read this book was on my way to the Himalayan mountains when I was up in Nepal. This was back in 2016. I went up with a, a friend up there and I just downloaded a book and we were on this bus and like there's not very good roads up in up in uh, Nepal. And so there I am reading this book and I just could not put it down. Like I pretty much read it like front to back, you could say, you know, and it was just absolutely amazing. And so if you've never read it, I'm sure that you'll enjoy it. I hope that you enjoy um, going through with me and learning about the different lessons within it. And for, for anybody who has never really heard me talk about The Alchemist, you know, I 
The reason I really enjoy this book is because I feel like I am the main character in it, and that's Santiago. And just the way that he lives life and his ideas about life, and uh, you'll learn that right right from the first you know, a few pages that we get into. And, you know, uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. And the different life lessons that he goes through and even at the end of the book, uh, what what happens. And it's it's super cool. So I have a really good connection with the main character. And I feel like sometimes like I, I am living like Santiago does. And I absolutely love it. And that's why I, I love this book. So without ado, let's get to it. And let's get started, all right? This is, this is part one. The boy's name was Santiago. Dusk was falling as the boy arrived with his herd at an abandoned church. The roof had fallen in long ago, and an enormous sycamore had grown on the spot where the scarcity had once stood. Sacred, uh, sacred city. <laughs> I don't know that word. <laughs> he decided to spend the night there. He saw to it that all the sheep entered through the ruined gate and then laid some planks across it to prevent the flock from wandering away during the night. There were no wolves in the region, but once an animal had strayed during the night and the boy had had to spend the entire next day searching for it. He swept the floor with his jacket and lay down, using the book he had just finished reading as a pillow. He told himself that he would have to start reading thicker books, they lasted longer, and made more comfortable pillows. It was still dark when he awoke, and looking up, he could see the stars through the half-destroyed roof. I wanted to sleep a little longer, he thought. He had had the same dream that night as a week ago, and once again he had awakened before it ended. He arose, taking up his crook, began to awaken the sheep that still slept. He noticed that, as soon as he awoke, most of his animals also began to stir. It was as if some mysterious energy bound his life to that of the sheep with whom he had spent the past two years leading them through the countryside in search of food and water. They're so used to me that they know my schedule, he muttered. Thinking about that for a moment, he realized that it could be the other way around, that it was he who had been accustomed to their schedule. But there were certain of them who took a bit longer to awaken. The boy prodded them one by one with his crook, calling each by name. He had always believed that the sheep were able to understand what he said. So there were times when he read them parts of his books that had made an impression on him, or when he would tell them of the loneliness or the happiness of a shepherd in the fields. Sometimes he would comment to them on the things he had seen in the villages they passed. But for the past few days, he had spoken to them about only one thing, the girl. The daughter of a merchant who lived in the village they would reach in about four days. He had been to the village only once the year before. The merchant was the proprietor of a dry goods shop, and he always demanded that the sheep be sheared in his presence so that he would not be cheated. A friend had told the boy about the shop, and he had taken his sheep there. I need to sell some wool, the boy told the merchant. The shop was busy, and the man asked the shepherd to wait till the afternoon, so the boy sat on the steps of the shop and took a book from his bag. I didn't know shepherds knew how to read, said a girl's voice behind him. The girl was typical of the region of Andalusia, with flowing black hair and eyes that vaguely recalled the Moorish conquerors. Well, usually I learn more from my sheep than from books, he answered. During the two hours that they talked, she told him she was the merchant's daughter and spoke of the of life in the village, where each day was all like all the others. The shepherd told her of the Andalusian countryside, 
and related the news from the other towns where he had stopped. It was a pleasant change from talking to his sheep. How did you learn to read? The girl asked at one point. Like everybody learns, he said, in school. Well, if you know how to read, why are you just a shepherd? The boy mumbled an answer that allowed him to avoid responding to her question. He was sure the girl never would never understand. Now, I want to stop here and talk about this section of the book, this little part here, because I think it's so, it's so important. You know, the, the girl, she asks him, you know, how did you learn to read? And same thing, you know, I didn't know shepherds knew how to read. So shepherds are like, you know, supposed to be like the lowest class, say, type of citizen. You know, they don't know how to read. They just go, go around and um, th th there's not much to them, you could say. And so she's really surprised that he can actually read because if he can read, then that means he could go to school and do something else and be something else. But here he is as a shepherd and it's just, it just doesn't make sense. And this is so, so just like today's world. You know, people always see me and they say, Nathan, like, why, why didn't you ever go to school? Why don't you go to school? Why don't you go study? Why don't you go to university? Why don't you go to college? Why don't you go do whatever it is that, you know, they think that I should be doing? Because they'll say, Nathan, you're so smart. Like, why don't you go, you know, take that smarts and put it towards something? And it's like, well, I do. Like, I protect that smarts. And like, I'm always learning. And you'll always hear me say I'm the most... Uh, most educated, uneducated person that you'll ever meet. And what I mean by that is just simply that uh, I don't have those credentials. I don't have those official documents, pieces of paper. But what I do have is I have a lot of knowledge and I have a lot of wisdom and I have a lot of, you know, self-education. And that doesn't come from a school or an institution. That comes from life. And so a lot of people are kind of surprised by, it. you know, I've, I've sold websites to people. I've, you know, started my own businesses. I've done all kinds of things. And, um, with that, you know, people never ask about my credentials and I've learned about that. And I, I know people who have marketing degrees. I know people, uh, who have these official documents and they have no clients. They don't even have their first customer. And here I am with nothing, none of that, no, no official anything. And I have, you know, I'm landing 10, 15, $20,000 clients. And it's like, well, where do you get that from? You get that from just going out and starting. It's, it's not from these, you don't just get these official documents and then bam, like you're landing $20,000 clients. No, you get your first client, which you're pretty much working for free. You get your second client, you get your third client, and so on, and you keep going and you keep refining your process until next thing you know, there you are. Your so-called credentials are your history, your success students, your successful clients. That's your credentials. That's all people want to know. Can you help me? Have you helped other people like me before? And what does it cost? So... I really like this part of the book because it speaks so much in today's world that people, they just, they think that they might look at some, someone like a shepherd. They might look at someone like, let's say a, a waiter or, um, 
you know, in my job, there's people who, who clean the toilets and there, there are some people who, you know, they would look at them as, let's say, you know, this is just somebody who cleans the toilets. It's like, well, without this person to do this job, like I wouldn't want to do this job, but without this person, we wouldn't have a clean toilet. And so it's like, thank you for this person. I've also had before, I was working a, a, um, a delivery company. I was a, a bicycle courier in Brisbane, Australia. And the girlfriend I was dating at the time, her mom's boyfriend, like him and I had, you know, gotten along and I was like, I loved this job. Was it a forever job? No, it wasn't. But I just got it. I found it. And here I was like traveling around Brisbane. If you've never been to Brisbane, it's a beautiful city. I absolutely love it. And it's made for bicycles. And it's just, it's so cool. And so here I am enjoying this city, enjoying this job, enjoying my new life in Australia, the first time I ever left Canada. And, you know, he says to me, he says, Nathan, you, you, you're so much better than delivering pizzas. Like, what are you doing? And I always thought that that was so interesting. And I was just like, wow, it's like, I'm happy. I've never been this happy in my life before. I've never felt so free. I've never felt so amazing before. Like I remember just riding my bicycle and just feeling so free and just looking out into the, the beautiful sunshine. And when I'm crossing a story bridge and I'm just thinking like, I feel fucking amazing. I've never felt this before. Like I felt good before, but I've never felt like this before. And it just opened up a whole new avenue in, in myself. And but it didn't matter to people. What mattered to people was your status. That's what mattered to people. And I thought that was so interesting. So if you know how to read, why are you just a shepherd? And that, that, that's why I relate to this book so much. And maybe you do as well. And it, it's just so interesting. And I see that all the time. I remember one time I was working with a guy and he had... Um, he had come to us and we're all sitting down at lunch. We were working in construction. I was doing one job. He was a carpenter or whatever he was doing. And he came to us and, you know, we were all just hanging out, sharing stories and stuff. And he says, yeah, you know what? I, um, my, my daughter's been in the dating games, you know, she's trying to, trying to find somebody. And, um, I thought, you know, I, I had met this guy at work and, he seemed like a really sharp guy. I really enjoyed working with him. He was really good. And he was telling us about this. And he says, I, I thought he would have been a great candidate for her. So I, you know, go home and I say, hey, you know, I know you're out there looking for, looking for a man. And I just wanted to say that I I know this guy at work and he he's really good. I, I think that uh, you'd really like him, you know, maybe it'd be worth it to give him a shot. And she says to him and she says, dad, I, I, I don't, um, I don't know really how to say this, but I, I don't want to date a construction worker. And he's telling us his story and he basically says that he lost it. And he's like, you know what? He's like, I just started yelling. Like, what the, does that mean? You don't want to date a construction I'm a construction worker. She's like, yeah, yeah, but dad, like, that's not what I mean. It's just, 
He's like, what do you mean then? You know, he's like, you got this roof over your head. You got the education that you got. You got the, you know, the degrees, the college, all of that stuff because of a construction where what the hell are you, you, are you talking about? And he said that he just lost it. And I was, I was sitting there, I'm like, well, rightfully so, you know, and it's quite sad because who knows, maybe this guy could have been her soulmate. Maybe she's been looking for quite some time and all of a sudden, like he was right here at this moment and she said no. Why? Because of a, a, a stupid label. Maybe he's a construction worker today, but tomorrow he's going to own a multi-million dollar business. He's going to be the next like, you know, world changer. You'll have no idea. Like the amount of jobs that I've worked, uh, I, you know, I, I've been a mechanic in the military. I've been, you know, sales at Volkswagen. I've sold timeshare. Does, does that mean that's who I am? No. That's what I did at that time in my life. I was a bicycle courier at some time. But was that who I was? Was I going to be that forever? No. No one, no one really wants to get to know why. They, they just kind of stop at what. What do you do? Go on a bicycle courier for Deliveroo. Oh, you are, are you? Hmm. And then they just toss you to the side. Like, that's it. They just, they just immediately judge you right then and there. They don't bother to, to learn or understand on a deeper level and be like, oh, that's really interesting. How'd you get that job? And then you just kind of get into it. And like, well, actually, I just stumbled upon it. And, you know, it's my first time in Australia. And it was there. They, they were just launching. So it's been like starting right from the very beginning of them coming into Australia. So it's been really cool to, to see that. And I, I've loved it. Like I've never bicycled around in a city like this before. And here I am, like, it's my job. I get to stay fit. Like I just absolutely love it. And, you know, I work with great people who are also traveling and it's just, it's so cool to hear their stories. Like you, you can learn so much about somebody, but but people just stop at the what. And it's so, it's sad is what it is in the end. So it's a very, very interesting thing. And like, um, let, let's get back to it. Okay. There's, there's more that I want to talk about. Uh, I know that's coming up in this book. And uh, so let's start back into this. So the boy mumbled an answer that allowed him to avoid responding to her question. He was sure the girl would never understand he went on telling stories about his travels and her bright Moorish eyes went wide with fear and surprise. As the time passed, the boy found himself wishing that the day would never end and that her father would stay busy and keep him waiting for three days. He recognized that he was feeling something he had never experienced before, the desire to live in one place forever. With the girl with the raven hair, his days would never be the same again. This is actually a really interesting quote because where he says he recognized that he was feeling something he had never experienced before, the desire to live in one place forever. I'm a very free kind of person. Like, I don't know what, where I'm going to be in 10 years. You know, I, I have a slight direction that I want to go, but, you know, life changes and things happen along the way. And, you know, ideas change, you change, you're just... Um, it, you change over time and what you think you want today, you may not want tomorrow. And what you think you don't want today, you may want tomorrow. Like you have no idea. And so 
uh, I always say, like, you can only see as far as your flashlight will show you. And there's people that will say, like, oh, I'll, I'll have this job until I retire. And they're 23 years old. And I'm like, dude, that's four decades away. That is four decades away. Like, how do you know? You don't know. You don't know four decades. Like, you just, you don't know. You know, five years ago, you said that I would be, you know, uh, working the job that I work. Like, I, w I probably wouldn't have told you. You know, before I went traveling, if you would have told me that you're going to be gone out of Canada uh, for three years traveling to seven different countries, I probably would have said you were crazy. I'm like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I don't think so. But there I was. If you would have told me I would have been selling timeshare in Bali, I would have been like, no, I, I don't think I'd sell timeshare. But there I was doing it, loving it. I actually really loved the job, just hated the management. And so... You, you, this, this idea of living somewhere, just one place for me, it, it's, it's just kind of, it, it's the same thing with like having one job, having maybe one partner, because, you know, if you've, if you've known and understood my ideas about relationships is that you, you are allowed to change. People change, you change, you grow, you know, who you are when you're 20 years old is completely different than who you're for, than when you're 40. So if at 40 years old, you decide you don't really want to be married anymore, that's okay. You're allowed to change your mind. Like you have no idea who you're going to be when you're 40 years old, especially when you're only 20. And so you're allowed to change your mind when it comes to relationships, people, and these different things. And so I think that, you know, having one job for their, your entire life, having one relationship, it, it just doesn't, just doesn't make sense logically. Just the very same as, uh, you know, if we think about this universe and this um, galaxy that we're in and how massive it is, it's, it's kind of, it doesn't make mathematical sense to say that we are the only human being species around. Like it just, it just doesn't make logical sense. Like in taking encompassing the size of the galaxy, like we're just one galaxy out of however, however many. So to think that we are the only existence of life, like us human beings, you know, with a conscious, a mind, a soul and all that stuff, mathematically speaking, it just doesn't make sense. So just the very same as, you know, to, to be with one person like, can it happen? Yeah, absolutely it can happen. But so can you changing and you growing. You may not believe in God today, but you may believe in God tomorrow. And the person that maybe he or she fell in love with was somebody who didn't believe in God. And then all of a sudden now you do, and now you're, you know, out there preaching the gospel and they're kind of like, hey, well, you know what? You know, you've changed, I've changed. You want different things. I want different things. And, you know, I think it's time for us to move, move along. I think that is much more, uh, the chances of that are happening are far greater than two people being together forever, I believe. Just mathematically speaking, if we, if we break down logically. Now, if you force it to last 80 years together, okay, like anybody can do that. But I'm talking... Like if you really enjoy each other's company, 
the two of you are truly happy with each other, then I believe that for that to happen for that long would be would be very mathematically illogical, I would say. And so, sorry to break anybody's hearts if you if that's what you're thinking, but uh, but that's just just what I'm saying here is like the, this desire to live in one place forever, and that's what I love about this quote is that he's met this girl, and then all of a sudden it's just kind of flipped his whole his whole world upside down. He's just thinking like, holy, like I feel like I want to live here forever with you, you know, with the, with the girl, with the raven hair. I can honestly say that, you know, in the, in the life that I live, that I, you know, just being as free as I am, I have that, I have had that feeling before where I've met somebody where you just have such a connection and then it just kind of flips everything upside down and your whole belief system, your whole ideas, kind of things that you never thought that you would think or feel, all of a sudden you're thinking and feeling. Now here's the, here's the hard part. It's separating logic from emotion, okay? So it, it's very easy to meet somebody and then within like a short amount of time, you can think that you want to be with them. You're like, oh my God, I just, I love this person and I want to be together with this person forever. And But you're not thinking straight. You're not thinking logically. You're not thinking, you're just thinking emotionally, which is not good. Okay. Women, you're thinking emotionally. Men, you're thinking with your, you know, and so you have to stop and pause and you have to think, okay, wait, wait, wait one second. What are, what are my actual thoughts? Like, is this real or is this just like lust? Okay. Ladies, I'm going to speak to you for a second. Okay. Um, there is something that is, should I even talk about this? <laughs> you can go on YouTube. Okay. And learn more about this. It's called the post, not revelation or realization post nut what that means okay very hard for a woman to understand is it's basically talking about after a man has an orgasm before the man has an orgasm like he is not thinking straight he he thinks he likes you and he may genuinely think that he does. And he's like, man, I just like, this girl is amazing. Like we just hang out. We have such an amazing time. And it's just, oh, I just, wow. I think, I think I love this woman. And then all of a sudden you two have sexual relations and he climaxes. And then all of a sudden there's this post nut revelation. And he's thinking, oh God. Oh God. Wow. All of that, all of those feelings, all of those emotions that he was feeling before, they can just poof, disappear. They get, they're just gone. And it's, it's one of like, one of the things that women just will never fully understand because you, you really have to experience it because there you are. 
you're you feel like you're in love you feel like this is the one you feel like this is just your whole world is just amazing and then all of a sudden like all of those feelings and emotions that you genuinely thought you were feeling are just gone and you're just mind blown you're like wow i can't believe i can't believe it's just gone and you're like where where did it go and so <laughs> So the the reason I'm saying this is that sometimes, you know, we meet people along the way. Women get emotional, they get attached to people. You know, men, they just, they might not be thinking for themselves. So we have to be able to, to separate what is real and what is not. It's easy to meet somebody and then say, I want to be with this person forever. But maybe that, that feeling is coming from just being lonely because you've been alone for so long. Maybe this person does seem pretty great in the moment. Maybe you were just recently hurt and you're needing somebody to kind of, you know, catch you on the, on the way down. And this person just happened to be there. And then all of a sudden you, you don't realize that. So, but then all of a sudden, you know, when you get past that, those feelings that you, that brought you to this person or brought you to feeling like you wanted to be with this person, when those feelings subside, then that realization comes back and you kind of think, I'm sorry, I, I don't think I actually love this person. I don't think I want this person. I did, but I think it was just because of what had happened, but I don't now, unfortunately. And one, that's okay. That's life. Okay. It, it, it's, it's, um, it's going to happen. And so we have to be able to try and separate, you know, what is, what is real and what is not real. So in this sentence, when he says the desire to live in one place forever, like I've met people like this, you know, you have this connection and it just flips your whole world upside down and you don't know what to think. You're like, do we move forward with this? Like in an official manner or, or, or am I just like full of like, um, uh, uh, what would you say? Just, I'm, I'm just full of like this false stuff. Like what is real? What is not real? And sometimes that can be very difficult, but we don't want to get trapped by it. That's for sure. And a lot of people, a lot of people get trapped by it. And that's why, you know, depre uh, depressions and depression is on the rise. That's why relationships end up in so many divorces. That's why these, these people are so unhappy and it's because it's, that's the easy part so uh, very interesting I, I really like that uh you know what he says when he meets this person and it's just like he's never met someone like this before and i've had that and so very very interesting so let's get on with it let's get to it but finally the merchant appeared and asked the boy to shear four sheep he paid for the wool and asked the shepherd to come back the following year and now, it was only four days before he would be back in the same village. He was excited, and at the same time, uneasy. Maybe the girl had already forgotten him. Lots of shepherds passed through, selling their wool. It doesn't matter, he said to his sheep. I know other girls in other places. But in his heart, he knew that it did matter. And he knew that shepherds, like seamen, and like traveling salesmen, always found a town where there was someone who could make them forget the joys of carefree wandering. 
I love that. Like there's just someone, you know, there's a town where someone is just, you meet these connections. And I, and I talked about this in a, a couple episodes ago about, you know, the, the best relationship that you need to hear that, you know, when you focus on connections versus focusing on looking for relationships, you, you, you meet amazing people that, uh, you maybe would have passed up otherwise because maybe they were just, you know, in town for a short amount of time. And, but because you adopt a better belief of, you know what, I'd rather find an amazing connection than, you know, just out there looking for somebody who's looking for a relationship because there's plenty of people out there looking for a relationship, but there's very few people out there looking for connections. And if you, find and recognize those connections when they happen and you, you know, just move forward with it, enjoy that connection for however long it lasts. And that connection can be, you know, six months, six weeks, six days, like who knows how long it's going to be, but just enjoy it to its fullest. Don't force it any more than it needs to be. And so it's, um, it, it is, it's just, it is really cool to, to meet those people. The day was dawning and the shepherd urged his sheep in the direction of the sun. They never have to make any decisions, he thought. Maybe that's why they always stay close to me. The only things that concerned the sheep were food and water. As long as the boy knew how to find the best pastures in Andalusia, I hate that word, (laughs) they would be his friends. Yes, their days were all the same, with the seemingly endless hours between sunrise and dusk, and they never read a book in their young lives and didn't understand when the boy told them about the sights of the cities. They were content with just food and water and in exchange they generously gave their wool, their company, and once in a while their meat. The first part of this paragraph I think is kind of interesting because I feel like it almost represents the the human culture. Uh, and what I mean is... Um, says the only things that concerned the sheep were food and water. And if you think about, you know, the general population, like that's really all they're concerned with, you know, uh, as long as the boy knew how to find the best pastures in Andalusia, they were his friends. And what I relate that to kind of is that the, uh, this would be whoever's like in control. So like the, the mayor the prime minister, the president, whatever kind of deal. And, you know, yes, their days were all the same. And, you know, how many people, their days are all the same. With with the seemingly endless hours between sunrise and dusk. And they had never read a book in their young lives and didn't understand when the boy told them about the sights of the cities. So when I talk to people, you know, I'm talking to people about my travels and the things that I've done and the, you know, the ideas that I have and everything, like people just, you know, a lot of times they just kind of get this glossed look over their eyes. You know, they're just focused on, you know, what, what they're, what, uh, how they're going to be paying their, you know, child's private school or, or whatever it is, you know, and like they just, everybody's got the same you know, same days, you know, everyone's having kids, everyone's, you know, going to school and doing this and doing that, going to job. And 
like like I've always said many times before, is that there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that do that as long as that's what you want to do. Don't do it just because that's what's expected of you from your family, your friends, and society. And so I think that's a very interesting like little paragraph because that's just kind of like what I pull from that. Maybe you pull from it, you know, something different or maybe nothing at all, but I think it is just um, interesting. Now, this uh, the other part, you know, them giving up their, their meat, <laughs> that's, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, doesn't really relate. <laughs> you know, it's not like we're eating people. <laughs> if I became a monster today and decided to kill them one by one, they would become aware only after most of the flock had been slaughtered, thought the boy. They trust me, and they've forgotten how to rely on their instincts because I lead them to nourishment. This also is very interesting too, because I feel like people are like this as well. People are living the everyday life that they've forgotten how to rely on their own instincts. They've just, because, because what, they've got a job. They go to job Monday to Friday and they do the routine and they just kind of live their life and come home, kiss the wife or husband and blah, 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 blah. people were once creative people were once full of life people were once you know had passions and ideas and and uh, these these things these goals that they wanted to achieve but then now all of a sudden because they're so caught up in this this life in this routine that you know they, they they've forgotten all of that and like i said you know i i talk to people about you know the things that i want to do and um in, in the job that I have, I'll, I'll say, I'm like, yeah, I'm just here for a few years and, you know, I'll probably, probably be onto something else. And, you know, many of them, they're like, yeah, that's what they all say. Yeah, you'll, you'll be here. You'll, you'll decide to stay. And I'm just like, no, I won't because I don't allow that piece of me to die. I, you know, I protect that piece of me. And when, it, when I recognize that maybe that piece is, you know, having an effect, then maybe it's time to move on. And so very, very interesting that, uh, that part of the book. The boy was surprised at his thoughts. Maybe the church with the sycamore growing from within had been haunted. It had caused him to have the same dream for a second time, and it was causing him to feel anger toward his faithful companions. He drank a bit from the wine that remained from his dinner of the night before, and he gathered his jacket closer to his body. He knew that a few hours from now, with the sun at its zenith, the heat would be so great that he would not be able to lead his flock across the fields. It was a time of day when all of Spain slept during the summer. The heat lasted until nightfall, and all the time he had to carry his jacket. But when he thought to complain about the burden of its weight, he remembered that, because he had the jacket, he had withstood the cold cold of the dawn. We have to be prepared for change, he thought, and he was grateful for the jacket's weight and warmth. I really like this part, uh, this uh, kind of quote from the book, and because um, I, was, I was talking in yesterday's, yesterday's um, um, podcast about how I kind of got caught up in like the negativity of sometimes, you know, when you're working with other people, they kind of get caught up in, you know, 
their their negativity and you might get drawn into that because it's it's what people talk about right and if you're around it enough like you don't even realize that you start talking like them and start you know thinking like them and in here you know he's talking about his his jacket like oh man i have this jacket it's so heavy why did i bring it but then he's you know kind of shaking his head and saying like well because of the jacket you've been able to withstand the cold and then he's you know grateful for the jacket's weight and warmth like oh i'm so grateful i brought this like i'm so glad like thank you very much Sometimes in my job, I got to, you know, be outside and maybe the, maybe the weather's not that great and it can be terrible. It can be pouring rain out. And, you know, like sometimes I got to be walking for a long time and like I'm out there trudging through snow, like just I'm alone. I'm just doing my thing. But in those moments, like I might just, even if it's raining, even if it's like blizzard out, I'll even just kind of look at it instead of complaining about it i'll actually find out what's what can i be grateful for in this situation and here i've got to walk like a mile and i'm I just say like well i'm thankful that for my my gear that i have like it's making me very comfortable my my feet are dry my clothes are dry i uh, i'm thankful for my health i'm thankful that i have the ability to walk to have this job i'm thankful that this weather doesn't happen all that much and you know so it's going to happen sometimes and all i know is that later today i'm going to be you know taking these wet soggy clothes off and i'm gonna you know be hopping in a nice hot shower and you know be putting on some nice dry clothes afterwards and so you, you you start thinking about like things like that, then it's just like, well, whatever. Then the weather doesn't really bother you. Like weather very rarely bothers me when I'm when I'm working. Like it's it can be hell. I'm from northern Canada and like it's just it can be absolutely brutal. But at the same time, I'm also trying to look for areas where I could be thankful and I can be grateful for it. So yeah, like I I I really like, you know, what he says here about about the jacket, that without it, he wouldn't have been able to withstand the cold. The jacket had a purpose, and so did the boy. His purpose in life was to travel. And after two years of walking the Andalusian terrain, he knew all the cities of the region. He was planning on this visit to explain to the girl how it was that a simple shepherd knew how to read, that he had attended a seminary until he was 16, his parents had wanted him to become a priest, and thereby a source of pride for a simple farm family. They worked hard just to have food and water like the sheep. He had studied Latin, Spanish, and theology, but ever since he had been a child, he had wanted to know the world, and this was much more important to him than knowing God and learning about man's sins. One afternoon, on a visit to his family, he had summoned upon the courage to tell his father that he didn't want to become a priest, that he wanted to travel. There's so much in this, like, where do you even begin? So he, he's talking about how, you know, he, he's very educated, you know, he's, he's learned these different languages and, you know, how his parents wanted him to become a priest and 
even says thereby a source of pride for a simple farm family like pride you know there's so much so it's like oh so how's little johnny doing i'm like oh johnny's good he's he's in universities in his last year of four of his medical degree and he's gonna he's gonna be a doctor it's gonna be amazing oh that's great and how's susie oh susie well yeah how uh, how is Susie? That, that's, uh, that's the question we always wonder. You know, she's, she's, um, she's good. Yeah, she's, um, she's in Australia. She, that's where she is. It's where she's been for the past few years now. Oh, really? What's she doing? Like, where's she working? Um, well, she's, um, she's, she's working on a farm. Yeah. Uh, you know, really building that character, you know, like just really building that character. And so <laughs> parents, unfortunately, you know, there's this, uh, this, this feeling of, you know, like maybe, maybe, you know, the daughter is super happy backpacking around Australia for years, you know, volunteering at, uh, orphanages and you know helping to build wells for for you know unfortunate uh, villages like who knows right like just living the absolute best life but then you know maybe the son who is a doctor is absolutely miserable depressed taking pills shooting heroin like but he's looked at like the successful one and, you know, everybody just wants to, like, get together and, like, oh, our son is, you know, a psychologist. Oh, our son's learning to be a, you know, um, whatever. And it's just, it is so unfortunate. And there's there's just so much in this this part. Um, once again, you know, they, they worked hard just to have food and water like the sheep. He studied Latin, Spanish, uh, but he had always wanted to know the world and this this is very interesting because I've, I've met people who were going to school because they wanted to be a doctor and when you got them talking about it they just hated it you could tell that they just hated it and it, it was just awful but then if you switch the conversation and, and you'd say, well, tell me about your uh, travels in Australia. They're like, oh, oh my God, let me tell you about that. Like, and they would just light up and just, you know, they're just so animated and full of energy. And it was just, it was just super cool. And then I would switch the conversation back to them going to school and, you know, what, what are you learning in school? What's, what projects are you doing? And you could just see them change again. Just, oh my God, like, yeah, we're doing this project. I hate it. And you know, and, but it's what my parents want. And so it's, uh, it's very interesting. So yeah. Um, ever since a child, he had wanted to know the world, right? Um, and this was much more important to him than knowing God and learning about man's sins. And, you know, it's, it's just something that Santiago just knew in his heart that, look, yeah, I could be a priest and I could be a a pride for our family and I could, you know, make a good income, but that's not what I want. It's not what my heart desires. That's not what I truly want to live for, even though it's, you know, against what my parents want. And he even says like, uh, he had summoned up the courage 
to tell his father that he didn't want to become a priest and that he wanted to travel. Like, it is tough. I remember I was, um, I was living with my ex-girlfriend's parents for a month after we had broken up. It was a whole story, and uh, I was a wreck. And um, um, So I was, I was with them, and they were kind of, they were very old school, you know, like there's only one way to live life and go to school, get good grades, get a job, blah, 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 blah. And so they were kind of like, oh, so what about like school? Do you want to like maybe think about that? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And the more I looked into school, the less I wanted to go into it. There's very few courses that there was like one. It was an entrepreneurship course. And it, it, it just, I remember looking into it. I was talking to people, talking to people who went through the program. You know, they connected me with certain people and all the, all these different things. And I remember after pretty much making up my mind, I was like, I don't want to go to school. It doesn't sound enjoyable to me. I just do not want to. But I had to tell them, like, you know, even though they weren't my parents, but, you know, it was just, it it was, it was hard to, you know, Uh, I respected them. They respected me. They knew that I was smart. You know, I didn't want them to think that I was a failure. They didn't, they wouldn't understand. You know, just like in the beginning of the book, he, he said that they wouldn't understand. And it was tough. I'm like, so what do you think uh, about the programs? I'm like, well, um, like, honestly, I just, I don't think I want to go to school. Oh, well, th- that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And there's always like this you know, tone of voice, this like sound of disappointment, you could say. And it was just uh, tough, <laughs> tough, that's for sure. And um, so this part, when he had to sum up the courage to tell his father that he wanted to become a priest and that he wanted to travel, like, it, you know, it, it's, it is tough. It is absolutely tough. And that is a piece where what a lot of people don't, don't understand. Like, and that's why a lot of people do go down the route uh, that they do go down is because they, they don't have the courage and they don't want to let their parents down. I knew one guy, he was in, he was in France and actually he was from France and we met in Australia and he asked me and he said, Hey, uh, I, I want to talk to you about something. And what he had wanted to talk about was that he, he went to architecture school and out of four years, he did three and he didn't do his fourth year. And his whole family basically thought he was like a failure. They thought that there was something wrong with him, that he was lost. Like, well, what's wrong with you? Like, what, why, why are you not finishing your last year? And he's like, I don't want to become an architect. Like, I know this. And so he was talking to me and he was asking me like, well, what should I do? Should I just go back just to make them happy? He's like, and I was like, well, are you going to be an architect? He's like, no. And I said, like, why the hell would you go back? It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of a year. It'd be a hard year because you know you're not going to be an architect and you're just doing it for somebody else. I'm like, if, if, you, if you go back, 
you're you're gonna set the you're gonna kind of set that that um, standard for yourself. And what I mean by that is that you're you're gonna live up to other people's expectations. You've gone in, you've tried it, you did three years, like that's great, like congrats. And you're one year away from being a freaking architect. That's a that's a really good job. But you already know that you don't want it. You already know that you don't like it. Not many people have the courage that you do to just stop and say, no, I don't want, I already know that I'm not going to enjoy this. I'm not going to finish. Yes, it is tough to go to your family and say, like, I don't want it. And they're looking at you like you're crazy. But what you did is the right thing. And I absolutely love this guy for it. And so, yeah, he wanted to talk to me about it. And so we had uh, sat around. So let's get back to it. People from all over the world have passed through this village, son, said his father. They come in search of new things, but when they leave, they are basically the same people they were when they arrived. They climb the mountain to see the castle, and they wind up thinking that the past was better than what we have now. They have blonde hair or dark skin, but basically they're the same as the people who live right here. But I'd like to see the castles and the towns where they live, the boy explained. Those people, when they see our land, they say they would like to live here forever, his father continued. Well, I'd like to see their land and see how they live, said his son. The people who come here have a lot of money to spend, so they can afford to travel, his father said. Amongst us, the only ones who travel are the shepherds. Well, then I'll be a shepherd. His father said no more. The next day, he gave his son a pouch that held three ancient Spanish gold coins. I found these one day in the fields, and I wanted them to be part of your inheritance. But use them to buy your flock. Take to the fields, and someday you'll learn that our countryside is the best, and our women are the most beautiful. And he gave the boy his blessing. The boy could see in his father's gaze a desire to be able himself to travel the world a desire that was still alive despite his father's having had to bury it over dozens of years under the burden of struggling for water to drink, food to eat, and the same place to sleep every night of his life. Can you see why, like, I just absolutely love this book? Like, there's just so much within it. Like, we haven't even gotten, we're, we're literally 11% into this book, and there's, like, there's just so much value to it. Like just this, you know, his father, you can, he can see it that his father wanted to travel. I see this all the time. You know, sometimes when I'm talking about my travels and, you know, doing these things and I remember I met this guy, I can't remember what he was, um, he, uh, he was at, it was at a gym. I was taking photos there. I was talking to him about the places that I traveled and everything. And he was younger than me. He was like 26, 28. And he was like, wow, that's so awesome. You could see him like, he's like, I, I wish I could do that. But, uh, you know, I'm like, well, you can. I'm like, man, it's so easy for Canadians to get a visa for Australia. Like it was super easy. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. But like, like I, I just bought a house and, you know, so um, might as well just, uh, I, I, I got to take care of that, you know. And yeah, and, and it's so unfortunate or is people in this job, we, we are unionized. So there's seniority levels in this job. And so, you know, if uh, somebody starts a year before me, they have a year of seniority over me, meaning they get, you know, better shifts, they get better vacation, they get better things because they have more seniority than me. 
And if you're five years in, you're 10 years in, you got a lot of seniority. And it's great. But what I don't think is great is that people, it holds people back. Because I've met people that are younger than me, much younger than me, you know, 23 years old, and they've been in this job for, what, four or five years? Four years? They started when they were like 18, 19. And they, they'll, they'll say like, oh, wow, I wish I would have traveled and I wish I could do that. And that sounds so awesome. There's a lot of places I'd like to go. I'm like, well, why don't you, man? I'm like, it's, it's freaking the world's your oyster. Like, go. And like, oh, I, I, I can't leave this job. If, you know, I've, I've already got four years of seniority, you know, and I just, um, unfortunately, I can't. Like, I just, I can't leave this job. You know, or maybe I should have done it before I got this job. And sometimes I wish I would have. And I'm, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, man, like, just go do it. Like you, you, you go travel, you go do these things and you'll totally forget about your seniority. Like it won't even mean anything to you. And it's so sad to see. And that's, you know, Santiago looking at his father, you know, he can see that, you know, he wishes that he could go travel. You know, a desire that was still alive, despite his father's having had to bury it. You know, people have to bury this thing. And that, that's, that's where, like, my life comes in, and it's just, I won't bury that. You know, if I, if I want to travel, I'm going to go travel. I have a really cool job right now that kind of allows me to travel. And I make a little vacation every time I, you know, go out of town for work, and, you know, I try the new restaurants, and I, you know, go for breakfast, and I get to stay in the nice hotel room and I quite enjoy that. It's just, it's just, everything is, it works out for me. And so it's, uh, it's very, very interesting. So I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. And this is just part one. We're only 11% into this. I hope you really enjoyed this. Let me know what you thought. Uh, I hope that you enjoy this book as much as I do. And just reading it, reading it aloud. You know, it's one thing to listen to. It's one thing to read it by yourself, but it's another thing to actually read it aloud and, you know, be talking about it. It's, it's totally different. And just reading this last little bit, like I, it was like so much, so powerful because I, I see it and I feel it and I, I recognize it in other people. I recognize so much within myself. And so anyways, I uh, will leave it at that and we'll continue another day. So I hope you enjoyed this. Let me know what you think, and uh, we'll go from there. All right? So Nathan, once again, Unplugged Freedom. You can find me on Instagram, Unplugged Freedom. Telegram, you can join my channel on Telegram. Search for Unplugged Freedom. And that's pretty much it for now. Anyways, talk to you later.